TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Stories of that game and what happened in the clubhouse is just fantastic. There's no game that can bleep you like this one. <laughs> it's Roycey on baseball. Let's go. Ricey and Manny Hill here uh, for the uh, weekly uh, Ricey on Baseball podcast. Manny? Yes, sir. It is unfortunate that uh, this week did not start with an Easter Sunday home game. I know the uh, the Twins uh, don't like to be home on Easter Sunday because everybody stays home with their mother. Yeah. But it would have been a fantastic day for a ball game, and we haven't had many of those. It would have been a great weekend for <laughs> yes, baseball. And Saturday was gorgeous too. And yes, um, uh, yeah, it would have been it would have been great. I was at I was at the ballpark on Thursday, which was my birthday, and. That was the uh, Toronto game, the uh, third. Yeah, it was the third Blue Jays game, mm-hmm. and you came to my mind right away because I was sitting in the stands, mm-hmm. enjoying a cold one, and enjoying a hardly beverage. hardly anybody there, right? Hardly anybody there, but there were people in front of me that by the time we got to about the seventh or eighth inning, there were people in front of me that had uh, consumed quite mm-hmm. a bit of uh, adult. Beverages okay. and uh, they were standing up and talking and instead one thing came of, to my instead mind. Instead of sitting in the seats, instead of sitting in their seats, and uh, a phrase that you have uttered many, many times <laughs> yes. came to my mind: "Sit, sit down, down and, and watch, watch the, the ball, ball game." game. Terry so. Robbins, very good friend of mine, uh, married to Arnie Robbins, who was the sports editor who brought me over to the Star Tribune in '88. Uh, but she ruined baseball with the uh, hanky. You know, she was the hanky lady, mm-hmm. and uh, now, uh, you know, somebody gets the two strikes in the, in the third inning of a playoff game, and we have to stand up and chant and <laughs> sit down and watch the damn game. <laughs> you know, you want to watch something fun. Watch the 65 World Series tape, Twins-Dodgers. You know, first of all, everybody in the good seats has basically got a suit coat on, right? <laughs> but... They sit there and wait for something to happen. Yeah. That's what you're supposed to do at sporting events. This whole nonsense of uh, of getting up and screaming for no reason drives me nuts. But uh, that's probably why uh, my I'm going to have to put off my debut at Allianz Field a little longer. <laughs> I, have to, uh, I'll, I wonder if you can go to a doctor and say, I need some uh, uh, medication for the nerves. Mm-hmm. You know, to kind of a sedative. I need a sedative so I can go to a soccer game and, <laughs> and not have it drive me nuts anyway. Yes, uh, I've never seen anything like that game Saturday night. Did you watch much of it? I watched bits and pieces of it. Anybody who touched the ball, the yeah. it went. And you know what? I think it was a human. People have always had, way back 100 years, they've had the idea that if it was a fresh night you know if the if the air was fresh and it was one of those breezy beautiful nights boy the ball's gonna fly and it's just the opposite it's the humid if, yeah. if there's humidity the ball rides out on that and it, you know who taught me that 50 years ago or 40 years ago Harmon. Okay. Harmon hit is uh, he hit his longest home runs on hot, humid nights when he hit it out of the Tigers, first guy to ever hit it out of Tiger Stadium in left field. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of guys did it in right field. In left field, Comiskey, when he went up on the roof up there. 
uh, two of the even the uh, the long ones he hit back to back at uh, Met Stadium was on a hot hot weekend and uh, the ball and I think it was a humid I, I don't know if it was a cool I think it was a cool night but it was a humid night in Baltimore and the ball was just kind of riding out man you didn't have to hit it hard yeah and you kind of notice that when you get into the summer once you get into June okay. and July and August it's gonna and get worse starts, and the, the ball just starts flying out all and over considering the place. how many home runs there's being hit <laughs> now well that's you know one reason Atlanta was the launching pad it mm-hmm. had it had altitude. Fulton County. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had altitude, but it also you know that wasn't a small bar, ballpark. Right. But it had altitude, and uh, you know the summer's insufferable, so the ball just woo, you know. So has Cam- Camden Yards always been this way, or did it just kind of pop up this way maybe in like I, the nineties and into the two thousands? Well, it was small, but and but I never had the impression that. All you had to do, you know, who actually made me start thinking about what a bandbox that was? It was Chris Davis. Sure, yeah. About four years ago, just touching the ball and hitting it out to left center, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and I ended up giving, causing the Orioles to sign him to the worst contract in baseball <laughs> yeah. history. Yeah. But he would, you know, he discovered that what you find out about ballparks is if the guys don't have to pull it <laughs> to hit mm-hmm. it out. Then you got a bad box. Yeah, you imagine how many home, you know Ortiz for all his complaints about uh, all his complaints about Tom Kelly wanting him to hit it the other way. Yeah, can you imagine how many home runs he would have hit the left center field? You know, because everything off the wall would have been a home run. Would have been yeah. would have been a home run. Yeah, in uh, Camden Yards and that that and well, look around. Detroit of all the new ballparks. And new ballparks, I mean, going back to Camden Yards, mm-hmm. right, which is almost all of them. Yeah. Uh, Camerico is the biggest, and we're second, aren't we? We're, we're probably as far as. Probably, yeah. Probably, uh, you know, the, and the Kingdom, well, not that's the Kingdom, Safeco, which is something else now. It's T Mobile Park or something now. And yeah. that, that's a tough ballpark to hit home runs in, and they're hitting a lot of them. So that's why we know there's something going on with the baseball. Because it's, uh, but but why would baseball want it? To here's my what is their motive now? To have the ball juiced is what I want to know. Because the the home runs of you know there's yeah. a difference between you know you you and I both remember when a three point shot meant something. Mm-hmm. You know, but now well now now you know home runs are really supposed to mean something. I mean, you want home runs, but you don't want thousands of them. Uh, yeah, I know. We're going to talk to Timmy Kirkchen later. We'll have to get Timmy's take on the way the home runs are flying out of the ballparks. He'll probably have some numbers for us knowing him, right? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's it's just I'm looking at just everybody. Christian Yelich just hitting them every, <laughs> every, every time he swings the bat. He's yes. hitting the ball over he's the fence. 13. You know, Jock Peterson, my guy Jock Peterson, he's got, I think, 10 home runs or something like yeah. that. Manny, Cody Bellinger is I, like I, Cody I Bellinger is like 160 pounds soaking wet. I didn't look up the stat because I might not know how to do it, but I believe, at least at the top, there are more home runs than doubles. the The home run leaders are better, are higher yeah. than the. I bet baseball. I bet I. I should look next week. Well, no, I think they're hitting more home runs than doubles. Because mm-hmm. I always used to say, leadership. Everybody talks about leadership. 
you know, I have no leadership in the clubhouse. I've always said leadership is a bases loaded double. Now I got to say it's a bases loaded home. Now it's a grand slam. Do you think the double in baseball has kind of become? I love what the, the what, double. I do too. <laughs> and I, do I really too. love the triple. But it, it, in some ways, it kind of feels like the double in baseball has become the, 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 the mid-range it's, jump shot. It's in the basketball. Sammy Cassell pull-up jumper. That's yeah. what it is. From the, it's the 17-foot yeah. jumper. He, now we get mad if somebody makes a 17. <laughs> well, they're shooting too much. You know, Sammy. <laughs> Sammy, if Sammy was still playing and shooting the greatest pull-up jumpers in, on a break in history, we'd say, why didn't he stop and shoot a three, right? Yeah. You're right. Yeah. That's a very good uh, – yeah, it is. It, the, the double, the great, the great, wonderful, picturesque, fantastic double is now a – well, you know, a little more launch angle. That would have been gone. What yeah. the hell's wrong with that guy? Very good point there. That's what you'll learn on Ricey on Baseball with uh, Manny and uh, – Ricey, every Tuesday, and I think they're giving us uh, airtime too, right? Uh, six, yeah, six, six to o'clock on, on AM fifteen hundred. Yeah. Wow. How do you, how do you get? Uh, uh, we're promising you some uh, fantastic baseball conversation again today. We got the TK doubleheader. Uh, Tom Kelly followed by Tim Kirkjian. Tom Kelly is uh, with us. Uh, hey, Tom. Uh, the Twins are going to need a starter. In Houston on Wednesday, what was your theory of having a guy stretched out so you didn't have to call up somebody from AAA? How much, how much work did you need to get some guy to go five innings? Well, Patrick, I'll, let me back up. You have to. It would certainly help you if the pitchers that started the games beforehand <laughs> pitch into the game. Yes. Pitch six, seven, eight innings, maybe nine. Hallelujah! Uh-huh. Uh, but then your bullpen is sort of in condition and ready or prepared to help. But when you have to go four or five pitchers uh, a day to get through a game, uh, you, this luxury is 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 gone. So you have to bring somebody up, and that's what they do now. They just bring somebody up and and. Uh, you know, years ago, you know, if you said you needed, you you didn't want it. You told the general manager that you need a pitcher for this game. You know, yeah, oh my God, we have to go down and get blah blah blah. <laughs> you know, it was an expense and blah blah. And, but now they they just do it. They, you know, they fly them all over the place, and it happens uh, down in A ball, double A, triple A. They just move them. Yeah. You know, so it's uh, it's different now. But to have somebody stretched out, that's why spring training is so important. You get, uh, you get six guys that, that you can, you know, sort of count on to start a game. And uh, then the one ends up in the bullpen. And, and so he's got some foundation to him where he's thrown, you know, 70, 80, 90 pitches, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, but now we don't, I don't think we have that luxury right now so we well, got two guys here well duffy hasn't been a starter for a long time but he's you know he's kind of been yeah. a long reliever and then you got mejia who's yeah, supposed to be a trust. starter but you know duffy you know he's the other day he was throwing the ball good and then all of a sudden there's the hanger yep and there it goes. I mean, <laughs> they don't miss them. My God, they don't miss them. No, when you throw lots of curveballs, uh, if yeah. you leave one in the middle, that's... Uh... And it went. Mm-hmm. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, 
you know, most of those curveballs that he threw were pretty much out of the strike zone, but he entices them to swing and uh, gets people in bad spots, and then they chase, and we see it all the time. But uh, you get people swinging the bats, and that's why it's so important to get the lead and make the other team try to play catch-up, But uh, and the hitters start swinging. But, uh, again, I don't know what they're going to do, Pat, to uh, bring up somebody uh, – but I don't think we have anybody in our bullpen that you'd really feel comfortable trying to get out there for five or six innings. Maybe Duffy, maybe Mejia, but uh, I don't know if I trust Mejia, but, uh, you know, they'll figure something out. All right, so a doubleheader on Saturday. Uh, it, oh was, it was a romp on Sunday. I've never seen a ball flying out like it was Saturday night. But the, the reviews of it are as if our fellas had all had to run a 26-mile marathon playing this doubleheader. We're very concerned about their rest and recovery from oh, that God. twin mill. You know, I don't know about all of it. <laughs> uh, it's good banter, I guess. Uh, people buy that. But, I, you know, these fellas are ready to go and ready to play. So that it's... I think when you win 16 to 7, you probably feel pretty rested and recovered, don't you, from jogging around the base? If you're on the other side, <laughs> yes. you feel a little beat up, but uh, especially if you're an outfielder because you're probably doing some running. People know your number, that's for sure. Did you, uh, was Camden uh, a uh, bandbox from the start when you uh, managed uh, there? I, I believe so, Patrick. The, that ball in right center used to go pretty good, you know, over that little bullpen screen where the ground crew sits out there. Yeah, they uh, ball used to land on top of that wall out there pretty regularly. But, uh, again, I, I always thought the ball traveled pretty good there. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's others that are worse. You know, you know they say the Cincinnati is uh, launching, and so is uh, Philadelphia. Philadelphia. So there's other Yankees. places that are probably worse. But uh, Baltimore was one of those that were uh, – the wind was blowing anything out. You, oh, my goodness. It, the ball would go pretty good. All right. Uh, we're watching that uh, O's team, and they're trying to put it all back together here, and uh, they lost 115 games last year. Now, things never got that bad for you in the late 90s, no. but you had the group that you had at Orlando, Correct. and you knew you had players, and you went and won two World Series with, with some of those players. Mm-hmm. Uh, now here's the question: When you get the next group that they're talking up, okay, right. that uh, your bosses are telling you, uh, okay, these guys are going to be your future. Yep. What happens when you find out the bosses are wrong? How long does it take you to convince them that we have to go in another direction? Well, <laughs> I always went with the philosophy: you give me the players, and I'll do the best I can. With them. And so I had an agreement with Andy and uh, McPhail and had an agreement with Terry Ryan, and that's the way we're going to do it. You give them to me, and I'll do the best I can. And I got tired of hearing uh, from, <laughs> I remember Terry Ryan and Jim Rance would come in, and and we're going to get you this guy. I says, well, can he, can he run? <laughs> he says, well, he's a... Uh, uh, eight runner now. That eight's pretty. That's that that's fast. That's that's on the Terry Ryan two to eight scale. That's yeah, almost he, boxed he can it, run right? Eight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> can he steal a base? He's well. He's an eight runner. I, how about first to third, Terry? 
Uh, he's an eight runner. <laughs> Can he score on a hit? He's an eight runner. I says, okay. <laughs> okay. So, uh, in other words, uh, Daryl uh, Brown, basically. Right? Well, how do you know that? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, he, 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 I put him in the run that one day, and he, he steals second. Mm-hmm. Then there's a ball in the dirt, and he gets the third. I mean, and he's the winning run. Mm-hmm. So the next pitch, or two, whatever the hell it was, and pitcher two, <laughs> goes bounce in the dome, bounce, hits the catcher, bounces over to the right, and rolls all the way towards the dugout. Correct? Yes. Now, everybody in the dugout jumps up in the air. We're going to win a game. <laughs> Correct? Yes. Everybody, so I remember, it reminded me of Kirby Farrell years <laughs> yeah. ago. So everybody jumps up, and we're all looking at home plate, and there's no doubt. <laughs> we look back at third, and he's standing on third. I said, he's an eight runner. <laughs> he's a eight. So you think Molly would have scored on that ball? Oh, twice. <laughs> but he. he it came down to the moment of truth, and oh God! And I said to myself, "Well, he's an eight runner." <laughs> so, oh God! But uh, that 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 crew that uh, when they don't make it, the next you know the next flock of players, the Stoviaks mm-hmm. of the world, and that crew, then yeah, thank you. Then the uh, then the then you got to do it again, right? Then you got to yeah. do it again, basically. You filter. You try to filter them out and say who's going to make it. Now Stoviak, you bring him up. He had a little problem with. Uh, uh, he changed his body, put it that way. Mm-hmm. So that didn't work. But uh, uh, but him and Marty Cordova were running mates, so that mm-hmm. was always entertaining. Mm-hmm. But uh, when it doesn't work, Pat, you you just got to keep. You know, pushing, and, and like I said, the, the, well, these are the players. We'll do the best we can to get them right. But uh, it's a lot of filtering of players uh, to go through and uh, finally find the group that looks like can move forward. And, and the Twins did that fairly well for a number of years where, you know, then you had the next wave of Kosky and yes, that... Jock mm-hmm. and uh, Tory. And uh, Rivas, Guzman. Well, we got Guzman, and uh, so they they had a. Uh, uh, but remind people that, you know, okay, here's Corey Kosky. Yes. And, and you can't put him on the astroturf. Mm-hmm. He's going to get killed, or you know, because yes. he's just not quick enough. So, uh, here's where I gave uh, Ron Gardenhire an awful lot of credit because he took Kosky over to the university. Of Minnesota, and worked in the field house on that turf, and they did a lot to get Corey ready to play, and give Corey Kosky an awful lot of credit because he went and worked and worked and worked, and he turned into one of the better players that we've ever had here in Minnesota. I know he's on the list. Yeah, he's pretty damn good. The third baseman, he might only be behind Gaetti when you well, look at. Well, he was pretty damn good, and. Uh, he could. Uh, he ended up being an excellent fielder, and uh, so I gave Guardy an awful lot of credit for that, and and Corey because he put the time in, and uh, he got it. And when he uh, when he, when you first tried to play him, you had to put him in the outfield because you, uh, you 
that wasn't deep enough. <laughs> so the ball would come at him, and, and mm. oh, my God, it was, uh, you're afraid he was going to get hurt. Mm. I mean, it would, he, he could not handle that, that transition. And this is another player that went through the minor leagues that was a two-year guy. You know, two years at A, yes. two years at double. Torrey Hunter, same thing, mm-hmm. uh, most for the most part. Then there's some that can move through the minor leagues one year here, next year move up, move up, move up. But uh, he was a two-year type guy, so you knew that it was probably going to be some, be a little bit before he got it because uh, moving from AAA to the big leagues, to the, and especially going to the AstroTurf, uh, was, you know, made it doubly tough. So, uh, But... If, if the player decides he's going to work at it and get it, and, and to Corey's credit, he turned into be one. Of, he was, I thought, he was a terrific player. Yes. Uh, hey, uh, what do you think of the, the scope? Is certainly not your normal size second base, no. but he's a little better player than I thought. He, uh, yeah, I had this argument with our friend Leo down in Florida. <laughs> he was a scope fan. I was sort of on the fence. Yeah. And uh, uh, sounds like where you were. And uh, uh, but he's doing good. Crone is playing, I think, pretty damn good first base. Yes, that surprises me. So uh, uh, and uh, Marwin Gonzalez at third, he's doing a good job. And he surprised us all when he threw the ball from over the top the other day uh, on that play down the third baseline. He made a terrific throw, terrific play. So they're they're playing pretty good in the field. Uh, Rosario, he didn't handle that one ball too well, but he certainly made up for it. But the catch over the fence, but uh, and he hit, uh, he had hit, but 17, 18 home runs over the weekend <laughs> and knocked in 40, 50 runs. So you know it's, he got a pass on that play. So uh, there's been there's a and, and thank goodness Buxton got off uh, yeah. to a good start. So. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, you know, so a lot of things fell are falling right on the player-wise, I think. Uh, in fact, I was just on the phone with Dave St. Pete, and uh, uh, he, you know, he said, well, we, the pitching, and we have to fix the pitching. And I think probably all 30 clubs are saying the same yes. thing. Yeah. You know, so, you know, Patrick, you're a box score guy, and I know Manny is a box score guy. Mm-hmm. You're looking at the box scores, and, and I didn't get a chance today yet, but, uh, uh, you know, it's five, six pitchers. From each, yes. each team uses five or six in a, a day or night to get through. It's 150, 160 pitches to get through nine innings. Uh, so that tells you that uh, all over Major League Baseball that the pitching is uh, an issue. Uh, now, the umpires neither need to call more strikes or what i'm not sure but uh we got to figure out how to minimize the pitching and this all goes back to the first question you asked me about uh how do you find a guy well find a guy keep a guy stretched out and you know when you have to use five or six a day to get through nine inning games so it that's probably why you got to just bring somebody from the minor leagues and let them go ahead and hopefully give you five and you try to put the rest of it together, but uh, he, you know the pitching is uh, a sore spot in Major League Baseball, and everybody knows it. I have another theory that I'll uh, run past you uh, that the the new pitching approach right. of a lot of analytic produce. This is what works. This doesn't. 
you have pitchers constantly trying to make the perfect pitch. My, They used to try to hit the outer six inches. Now they're trying to hit the outer one inch, and that's how we got all these three-two counts. Did you see the, uh, the catcher from the Orioles? He was sitting. How far outside was he sitting? Yes, the, uh, and those are pitch I, after pitch. I said, "What the hell's going on?" He hits a glove, and it's a ball. It's it's. A, I I just don't understand. Uh, uh, Timmy Loudner brought up a good point. He was he's been a little concerned about. Uh, the amount of breaking balls that uh, Barrios is throwing, and uh, and I'm concerned about it too. When you go to throw the fastball, and you know it's not so much there. I always felt in the beginning of the season, spring training, you get through a month. You know, let's use the fastball and get our pitchers good and strong, so when they need to throw the fastball in the seventh inning, it's still there. But then they come back at you and say, well, we just want them to pitch five or six innings, you know, so you know, go ahead and throw the break and stuff. So but I, I'm very concerned about, about the amount of breaking balls that I see at the uh, major league level. They just keep throwing them and throwing them, and like you pointed out, they're trying to make perfect pitches just about every time they throw the damn thing. So, uh, but... Uh, and then you talk to the veteran pitchers, and they, you ask them what the best pitch is, and they say a fastball. Well, why are we throwing so many breaking balls? So, you, you know, there's a whole bunch of arguments going on out there, and you're trying to figure out what's right, and I don't know if anybody does. TK, do you do you look at a guy like Taylor Rogers and, right. and worry about, I mean, you know, Rocco's been using him quite a bit here, and in, for right. I mean, for good reasons, because he's been pitching – Dating back to last year, he's been pitching really well, and he's really reliable reliable as a lefty. But do you, at this point, we're still early in the season, but do you worry about a guy like that getting worn down as we get closer to the midway point of the we season? sure do, Manny, and you worry about it. Well, why? Because he's reliable, and what happens? We go to the cookie jar. We keep going to the cookie <laughs> jar and saying, well, he's my best guy. I'm going to use him. And But now – they have these little, the doctor come in and the trainers come in and if somebody with a coat and tie comes in and says, you can't use him today. So, uh, I don't know. You have to be very uh, cautious, I guess is the right word, and not worry about, uh, well, you need to worry about those kind of guys and whether you're going to use them up and burn them up and hurt them. So, you have to be diligent in what you do, but when he's your best guy, it's sure hard to call <laughs> yeah. him. You got a chance to win a game, you don't want to lose to the well, O's, man. That's the problem, Patrick. <laughs> you get a chance to win, you want to use use the guy, and really you got to bite your tongue and say, I got, how many we got out there? 13? How many, you know? Yeah. And we only have 12 right now. That's that's pretty low for the pitching. Well, yeah. you know, as long as they don't get to 14, 15. <laughs> yeah. But, we get so many guys that if they're on the team, okay, let's go. You got to pitch. You got to earn your keep. Yeah. All right. So let's go. You can't do it. Well, we'll give give me somebody else. So I told Rocco this winter. I said, Rocco, you got to have at least three guys down at AAA that you can count on to come up and be contribute. You got to have three of them because it's become such a, a revolving door anymore where you have. To just like this, if somebody can't contribute, at least pitch one inning where they can get the job done. Uh, 
people in the minor leagues, in my opinion, down at whatever level it is, if they're in the bullpen, they got to learn how to pitch more than one inning. Now, a concern for, I think, Twins fans should be Trevor May, who looked like Cy Young the other day, and then he can't get any, he sends him out there for the next inning, and he looks like me trying to throw the ball. So, uh, you know, I, you know, and I thought Trevor would be a strong guy that could yep. and pitch two, three innings. But, you know, the other day, my goodness gracious, he coming out for the second inning and he had to go get him. You know, it wasn't good at all. But uh, so many guys, uh, one inning and that's it. And I talk, remember talking with Cal Ripken a number of years ago, and he said to me, TK, how come the relief pitchers can only pitch one inning? <laughs> And he was, you know, he was right. He was right. And I'm trying to defend the damn pitcher, which I don't want to do to start with, but I'm trying. And, and, you know, and he was correct. He says a lot of guys come in, they give you one inning, you send them out there for the next inning, and it's a disaster. So uh, programming guys to be able to pitch more than one inning is paramount in my book, especially nowadays. But, uh, uh what happens, Manny? You end up hurting. You, God forbid we have Trevor uh, uh, Taylor. Taylor uh, Rogers gets you know if something ever happens. You know then you all right. He's out of the equation for ten days, fifteen days. Who knows? And then you got to bring somebody up, and then you put more responsibility on the guys that you do have, and you find out they're not as good, and and uh, so things begin to deteriorate. So. It's mandatory that you really protect these kind of guys and not overuse them, and you really got to call somebody else's name, and then that's all there is to it. And if you don't, you end up hurting them. You never forgive yourself. So, protecting those guys is very important. Hey Tom, a hundred years ago, uh, you're talking about using the fastball, starting pitchers using right. the fastball. Right. Mock uh, Tanana was basically a left-handed Nolan Ryan. And all Don't of us remind me. He it, threw me three in Anaheim one day, <laughs> and I still haven't seen one of them. <laughs> and anyway, uh, and then all of a sudden, before he ever got hurt, before he ever got hurt, he was throwing changeups and breaking balls. And I remember one day before the, uh, after they'd played him, the next day, Mock said to me, "This kid is messing with his career by not using his fastball anymore." Correct. And uh, and well, you know, he maybe I don't know. Did he get hurt? He got hurt later, but he was be, he was doing yeah. the junk ball thing before he, uh, you know, when he still had his good fastball. I wonder if things were starting to hurt. Maybe, maybe. You know, it could have been that he said, well, "I got to do something here." Things are getting. You you didn't easy. do well against him though. Three, <laughs> three on the outside corner. I, I watched Carew strike out. I watched Oliva strike out, and I'm down there a few more down the line, and I'm saying to myself, "This is the the attitude I yeah. have." If Rod can't get the bat through it, what chance do I have? I'm hitting 180. They're hitting 390, and they can't get the bat through it. And what am I going to do? They threw three, and I swear they were all outside, but maybe I didn't see them. The umpire went strike, 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 and I walked back. I mean, it was ridiculous. And I was beat before I even went up there because of my damn attitude. 
watch Carew go down, watch Oliva go. Oh, my God, what chance do I have? <laughs> hey, beautiful, sir. We will uh, talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thank you very much. As long as Manny calls me. Okay, Manny. I'll call we, you, TK. We don't let Manny take a day off when you're going to be on. No, he sorry. dozes but never closes. <laughs> All right. See you later. See you, Tim Kirkjian from ESPN and ESPN.com is with us. So uh, Byron Buxton leads the major leagues with 11 doubles. And Christian Yelich leads the major leagues in home runs with 13. What's going on in my grand old game here that home runs are easier to hit than doubles? (laughs) Well, it's a strange game we play today. (laughs) I, I certainly don't understand it like I used to. Balls are flying out of the ballparks at record paces again. There's all sorts of talk that the ball is juiced again. But Kristen Yelich is a joke, Pat, that he's (laughs) doing right now. Craig Council told me the other day, he said that the players on the team are incredulous. They watch him. These are his peers, and they say, how can anyone be that good? That's how good he has been so far, bat-to-ball skills are unmatched for at the moment. But now, of course, he does it with power. He gets the ball up in the air. When he gets it up in the air, it leaves the ballpark. As for Buxton, I told you, Pat, <laughs> I saw him in spring training, and the first thing I thought was, how much bigger is he? Yeah, he's and about 15, yeah. He is, he is ripped. He is so strong now. And I had a really playful conversation with him two springs ago about football and baseball and this spring there was nothing playful about him he was an angry guy about being left off the roster in september not being called off he was upset and i sensed just in my 10 minute conversation with him that things are going to change this year and at least to some degree they have uh the uh, brewers uh have they uh, paid yelich yet or is that still forthcoming that's still forthcoming Uh-oh. but they're gonna have to pay him an awful lot now because that we're talking about you know second half of last year plus this year mm-hmm. uh you know we're talking about a home run like every other game for him that's how good it's been <laughs> for, for that length of time and he's doing it with production power batting average everything it's really been breathtaking to watch this guy swing the bat just another reminder that when the light goes on, you can go from a good hitter to a great power hitter, like in a very short amount of time. George Brett did the same thing. Remember when you saw him the first time, Pat? He would hit hard line drives to the opposite field, and then they said, George, you need to pull it. And he said, well, I could do that too. And then he started hitting home runs to right field, and that's where Yelich appears to be headed. Now, uh, where was the market for him uh, last year when the Marlins decided, ah, uh, well, here's another guy we don't want to have on our team? Uh, was uh, I mean, was this the Brewers beat out a bunch of teams, or was it was the market not that hot for Yelich? Well, it moved pretty quickly, Pat. I remember him saying, look, if you're going to get rid of the whole team, maybe you should get rid of me too. Maybe it's better if I moved on also. And if unless I've got this wrong... Like in less than a week, he was gone. And this is where I believe the Marlins probably made their mistake was just saying, all right, this is a full rebuild. We just got to move these guys along instead of maybe waiting a little bit longer to see if they can get more teams involved. But I think the bottom line is nobody thought he was going to be this good. And the Marlins especially didn't think he was going to be this good, and neither did the Brewers. So 
again, the light went on at the perfect time for this guy and for his team. Uh, as a long time and uh, huge admirer of Earl Weaver, I'm glad he's not managing this Orioles team. I would worry about his tobacco and alcohol intake if uh, if he had this club. Pat, they have given up as of, they've given up. I believe it's now fifty-eight home runs. Okay, <laughs> they're going to give up three hundred. Right, the Orioles in nineteen seventy-six, Pat gave up eighty the whole season. <laughs> the sixty-eight Dodgers gave up. 63 homers the whole season. Look, I know that's a different time and a dead ball. Different ballpark. And and everything, but they're going to give up more homers before they get to May than the Dodgers gave up in the entire 68 season. And I would say a week into May, they will give up more home runs than the 76 Orioles gave up all season. That's what we're talking about here. We're talking about a tiny ballpark with a bunch of young pitchers and a bunch of pitchers without exceptional stuff. And if you miss now, Pat, we know this, if you miss with exceptional stuff now, without exceptional stuff, you are dead. You are dead. (laughs) You don't just go 10 rows up. You go 40 rows up when you miss with stuff that's not exceptional. Timmy, and, and in contrast, the the Mariners have hit 56 home runs as a team themselves. Like, is this <laughs> is this going to keep up for them? I, I, I have to think they're going to come back to earth a little bit. Yeah, they, they have to. Remember the great start they got off to last year, and they were a pretty good team halfway through 100 games into last year, and then they just kind of fell apart. I'm not suggesting that's going to happen again. But I just can't believe they're going to hit this many home runs. I mean, they have more homers than the Dodgers do, which is almost impossible to conceive given how many homers the Dodgers <laughs> hit. But the Mariners have an interesting lineup. They have an interesting team. Uh, I can't imagine them making the playoffs, but um, they're way better than I thought they were, and they've found the recipe. Let's hit the ball out of the ballpark. We can win a bunch of games. You know who can still get to the fastball? Nelly Cruz. Yeah, he's amazing. Buck Showalter told me a long time ago, he said, someday Nelson Cruz is going to hit the longest home run (laughs) that anyone has ever seen. And he's come close a few times, but you're right. He's still still a quality, everyday, designated hitter, power source in the big leagues, and he's been doing this for a long time. And uh, your guy Buck, by the way, he must be happy to be wherever he is. Is he still getting paid, by the way? The Orioles still owe him? I, I asked him the, I asked him like three days before the season started, like, what are you doing today? He goes, well, this morning I went to Target and I got some popcorn and a slushie. And I just to laugh out loud. Like, and it, it wasn't Buck mocking anyone and it wasn't him saying, hey, you feel sorry for me. I think he's comfortable where he is. But there's a bigger point here, Pat. It really, it really discourages me that so many veteran managers, coaches, instructors who have something to offer are no longer being asked for input. We do not value what our eyes and ears of our best managers, coaches, and instructors have to say anymore. The younger people have overtaken the game, and the Jim Leland's of the world have no value. And I find that to be a real mistake. And for Buckshaw Walter to not be working, there's something wrong with that. I know he could have had a bunch of jobs, but most of them would have him sitting in a golf cart with a golf shirt on 
in spring training without any real responsibility, and that's just not the way that Buck would want to do things. And he did miraculous things for that organization for about eight years there. It was, uh, you know, I mean, the, the few times he slapped them together and kept them in it till August, you know, it was, uh, you know, I, I had more respect for Buck as a manager there than any of his other stops. Well, he made the change, and I told you that. He went, when he left uh, ESPN the last time, and we deserve no credit for this, we told him, Buck, just be with your players like you are with us. <laughs> Tell funny stories. Make everybody laugh. You know, uh, make everybody feel good. That's what he's so good at. And he made that adjustment that instead of coming in and being the guy who's a little bit too overbearing, he just took a step back and said, "Look, if this doesn't bother, if it doesn't bother the players, then it, it's not going to bother me. If they, if it doesn't bother them that somebody took thirty minutes to run around the bases, then I'm not going to let it bother me when I used to." Uh, by the way, you mentioned old uh, veteran baseball guys who can't get a job. Wayne Krisky doesn't have a job, right? And how many scouts out there? don't have a job. And Pat, I want to make sure I don't sound like an old, bitter, cynical, old sports yes. writer. I'm the opposite of that. But mm -hmm. I have a scout friend of mine in Deep and it lives right around from me. And he said, I can't do this anymore. I just can't. Nobody listens to what I have to say. Nobody's interested in what I can see when I go to a game. And uh, that's, that's sad for me. And I'm hoping that baseball is going to look at this and say, you know, maybe the game is not as great as it used to be. And maybe it's because we don't have enough people watching the games who know what they're watching. And that is my hope that eventually we'll get to that point and say, we need to go back to a little bit of the old days. Hey, uh, National League East is fabulous. One of the, uh, you know, there's a, there's an exception, obviously down in South Florida, but, uh, <laughs> That's uh, that's about as much fun as I can remember a division in years. It's tremendous, Pat, and I think we should get used to it being this way for the entire season. I told you from the start, the hardest question to ask this year is, who's the fourth-place team in the National League East? Because that fourth-place team, Atlanta, Philadelphia, Washington, or the Mets, could easily be the first-place team in that division. That's how evenly matched it is. None of those teams is good enough to run away. None of those teams is good enough to fall out of this. I think it's a four-team race to the final few weeks of the season. I, I, I just don't see any separation between those teams, which makes it great. Uh, how did we, uh, you know, certainly the Boston Red Sox had a fine season last year, winning 119 games, but how did we get to the point that the National League has 10 good teams and the American League's got three, maybe? Yeah, it's a really weird thing. I'm not sure I've ever seen it where I looked at a league and said 10 teams can not only make the playoffs, but since there are no great teams over there, all 10, one of those any of the 10 could go to the World Series. Whereas I look at the American League, at least when the season started, and I thought, well, only three teams can go to the World Series from this league. And I think it's cyclical. I think it's just one of those strange, aberrant situations where suddenly three great teams uh, arrive in the American League and it didn't happen in the National League. But it's really odd here. And I've also said I've never seen it where the really bad teams 
are further away from the really good teams. That gap is bigger now than in any year that I've covered in the 40 that I've covered. Uh, well, I I uh, saw it in the mid-60s as a, as a younger man uh, when the National League was like this because they were so far ahead of the American League in uh, great uh, African-American players. But uh, we've uh, – and it, they had that little streak where – what, they won 21 out of 22 All-Star games or something right. like that? But, uh, you know, it, it then transformed itself, and this is uh, this is kind of snuck up on us the last couple of years that the, all the good clubs are over in the other league. Yeah, it's a real fascinating time, and that's why that central race in the National League will be great. And now that the Rockies have come out of, out of it to some degree, maybe, maybe there'll be a little race in the National League West, but those other two are four team races in each division, and that's that's really going to be fun to watch. Uh, Tim uh, Kirkjian with us. Uh, uh, one last uh, question here, uh, Timmy. What uh, the Twins, uh, what do you think? Uh, they go in there, and they, that game Saturday night was ridiculous because anything you hit in the air went out of the ballpark. But uh, the lineup is pretty good. Yeah, I mean, Eddie Rosario... <laughs> He looks like a big time, and we've always known he was a good yeah. hitter, but now he's getting the ball up in the air and starting to leave the yard. Again, Baltimore has something to do with that. But I, I said it in spring training, and I didn't pick them to, to make the playoffs, the Twins, but I said the one team that you know finished under five hundred last year that can make the playoffs this year is the Twins. That's what I saw with the people they brought in with Cruz and with Scope and with a different Buxton and with a better pitching staff, I said this could be a team that really surprises. And with the way the Indians are going right now, Pat, again, injured starting pitching and an offense that simply doesn't score runs, doesn't hit for power, that even with that great starting pitching when healthy, that's a vulnerable team right now. And that's why you can't, can't count the Twins out from not just making the playoffs, but maybe even winning that division, which I don't think anyone thought would have been possible at this point last year. Well, uh, if uh, if Rocco makes the playoffs and he's around in October, don't count on him to fill up the notebook with hot takes. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, Pat, there's a bigger there's a bigger picture here. Our managers are robotic now. They do what they're told to do. The days of Billy Martin, Earl Weaver, <laughs> Lou Pinella, those days are over, and I must say, I miss it. I miss asking Gene Moss a question and him staring at me with the cigarette. For 45 seconds, and I'm just about ready to start to cry when he answers the question. But the days of the manager filling it up, uh, you know, now we go into an antiseptic, sterile interview room before the game. And that's the only time, in some cases, we get to talk to the manager pregame. Whereas in the old days, and again, I sound like an old man because I am, but there was nothing better than sitting on the bench with Earl Weaver for a half an hour at a time just asking him about what's going on in the game. That's the stuff that I love more than anything and miss the most. Well, I can't see Rocco uh, taking the Baltimore writers out for dinner at Charlie's Cafe Exceptional, looking over at the old waitress and say, honey, before you die, give me three vodka tonics. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> I right. can't see Rocco doing that. 
Right, and I can't see going out to Rudolph's with Frank Robinson <laughs> like we did in in 1988. Him taking the writers out because I think he needed some support. <laughs> the famous President Reagan story, which I've told on this air more than once. Those days no longer exist, Pat, and I must say I miss them. Timmy, thank you. Talk to you in a couple of weeks, sir. Okay, Pat, thanks. All right, uh, the Kelly, the TK doubleheader, uh, Tom Kelly and Tim Kirkjian. Uh, two weeks uh, from now, you'll hear them again, you lucky listeners, you. And uh, also, uh, next week, Buster only. It'll be uh, Ricey on baseball. Thank you.